Grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This Sunday series for November was going to be titled The Church Under God's Commission until I received a dad joke brought to me, brought to me not by a dad and not by me who usually gives you the dad jokes and sermon titles with all my puns. But it was from Deanna Rivera, our uh, illustrious council vice president slash communications coordinator slash all the other things, like thrower of trunk or treat parties for a thousand neighbors. But Deanna came up with this really fun graphic here. It's on the sermon handout. Steering the steward ship. Get it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Steering the steward ship. We've been talking about charting a new course at Bethesda. In September, we looked at aspects of what charting the course could entail. Your council spent a weekend together praying, sharing meals, and dreaming. And then over October, we called all crew. We had crew meetings over the coffee hour on Sundays and other crew meetings at other times. And we considered what does God have for us if we're charting a new course all hands on deck, what does it mean to be a part of this crew? What's God's mission for this church? And what is a captivating vision that we would have for the future of this congregation in our service? And how do we make a a plan or a strategy to actually live out our mission together? In November now, we're the church under God's commission, uh, but better yet, we are steering the stewardship. We're directing our attention to the ways in which God has generously blessed us, and we then are equipped by God and sent to be blessings to others. So I did contribute the four H's on the stewardship, heritage, heart, harvest, and hope. That's where we're going the next four Sundays, stewarding our heritage, our heart, our harvest, and our hope. And for today, stewarding our heritage. We are richly blessed in a lot of ways. We have remembered already today those saints who have loved us into being, whom we've had to say goodbye for a time. But we have a whole long line of believers in our past. We have a legacy as a congregation of 123 years that not a single one of us was a part of the founding vision of this church. Yes, there were some great-grandparents in the room represented. We have been so blessed by our heritage, not only as Bethesda Lutheran, but as Lutheran Reformation Protestant Christians as we celebrated last Sunday on Reformation Sunday. And we have a heritage of all the churches, all the flavors of faith that God has seen fit to use to renew the church worldwide. Charismatic Christians, evangelical Christians, Progressive Christians, conservative Christians, Christians who don't like putting any adjective in front of the name. God has blessed us with a heritage that goes so far beyond ourselves. We're so blessed in that. To take a moment to consider the saints who've already marched in, not only those names we remembered this morning, but those saints represented over the many years. You might have seen this video, and I'm not going to play it because YouTube will pull our live stream down, but (laughs) there's a wonderful Lifetime Achievement Award that was given to Mr. Fred Rogers, everybody's favorite neighbor. 
And in his very short speech, and I, I won't try to do it justice, I'll simply say during his acceptance speech, he asked this audience of beautiful people who seem to have not a trouble in life, he asked them to just take 10 seconds to remember those who have loved you into being, those who wanted the best for you. And we could add, who are those who introduced you to Jesus, those who brought you to Jesus, perhaps as little children, perhaps later in life. So I'll give you 10 seconds to do the same. think about my grandmother Gwen. No matter what was going on in our home life, in our family's life, grandma's prayers would see us through. And then I think about my godmother, also named Gwendolyn, although she preferred Wendy. I think about Aunt Wendy, who's been on hospice for a month. Those are two saints, along with my immediate family, who have brought me to Jesus and kept me in the blessed faith. The saints who continue to march on, that's us. We who as yet are living and walk by faith, who are in our earthly pilgrimage, we are blessed by Jesus' words to the children of all ages. Blessed are you in your emptiness, in your fullness, and when you're struck down by the world and its insults. These blessed calisthenics for Jesus' empty, full, and hurting people. We might envision the calisthenics of our life together as a church. What does it look like for us to address, name, attend to our emptiness, our great need for God's mercy in this house? What might it look like for us to attend to our fullness, to consider the gifts God's given and continues to give in our lives, and how these gifts might be a blessing to others, to envision how we've been hurt and we've hurt each other and we have some ongoing hurts, how we live in a world that is increasingly, if not hostile, at least dismissive of our faith. What does the calisthenics of a modern congregation look like? What does it look like for us to come into this house of mercy in our emptiness and receive God's goodness? To go from the Lord's Supper back out into our daily and weekly lives in the fullness that God provides that we might respond to Christ's grace? What does it look like for us as the world has names and judgments or simply pays us no mind, what does it mean for us to be blessed and rejoice when we're persecuted for Jesus' sake? We have lots of wonderful hopes and dreams and maybe some really tangible ideas for our church in the months and years to come. 
When I think of the calisthenics of Jesus' blessings in Matthew today, I think about the sinews and the bones and the connective tissues that turn those ideas into something that actually fits together. That we don't just have an idea for how to bring our emptiness or use our fullness or uh, commiserate and lean on each other when things get difficult, but that we can find pathways so that in this place, you don't have to go guessing or hunting to find out how to be connected here or how to grow in your relationship with Jesus or how to see how your gifts might fit if not in a ministry of this church, then with our blessing in your vocations out in our city or at home. And I love the tradition of second lining in New Orleans. Some of you have been to New Orleans. Some of you don't want to tell me about when you went to New Orleans. I've only been once. It was a youth workers conference because the the National Youth Gathering was going to be in New Orleans that summer, and so that winter, all the youth leaders get together and get the lay of the land. And in, if you've ever been to New Orleans or you know, have just been clued in on in the second lining, it's this beautiful tradition that came out of the African-American communities in New Orleans. Here's a description from NewOrleans.com, of all places. And by the way, second lining is that band, that jazz band that marches behind the procession of whatever occasion is there. Could be a funeral, could be a wedding, could be a feast or celebration. The website says, Second Lining has been called the quintessential New Orleans art form, a jazz funeral without a body. Historically, the African-American community began Second Lines as neighborhood celebrations. The neighborhood organizations offered social aid to freed slaves, such as loans and insurance, and used the second lines as a form of advertising. Second lines were also used to honor members who died in their community, which launched the idea of second lines at funerals. So to this day and practically every day in New Orleans, you will find a first line procession. Maybe it's a hearse and a grieving family. Maybe it's a wedding with a happy couple in the lead. And then you'll hear, first you'll hear, and then you'll see the second line behind it as the band marches on. And the beautiful thing about second lines is you might not even know when you hear the music if it's a wedding or a funeral, a joy or a sorrow, but the second line draws you in. And all of a sudden, you're marching with the saints. What is this party for? Okay, this is the occasion. Good, bad, we will sing. We will join the song. Second lining. It's a beautiful tradition. I'm not going to introduce a jazz worship service at Bethesda, although Cyril could pull it off. (laughs) But I do think that as a house of mercy, we can create a second line community, a second lining organization in which when people come for a trunk or treat, they also get pulled into something more, a hopefulness, an urgency to make a difference with our lives, a word of mercy that has nothing to do with past performance, a word of mercy for what Frederick Beekner calls the seedy saints. Frederick Beekner, a recently 
somewhat recently deceased Christian author, said, On All Saints Day, it's not just the saints of the church we should remember in our prayers, but all the foolish ones and wise ones, the shy ones and overbearing ones, the broken ones and whole ones, the despots and tosspots and crackpots of our lives, who one way or another have been our particular fathers and mothers and saints, and whom we loved without knowing we loved them, and by whom we were helped to whatever little we may have or ever hope to have of some kind of seedy sainthood of our own. So for the saints who have marched before us, for the saints who yet march on, and for the seedy saints we find in our hearts, blessed are you. Blessed are you to hear of this glimpse of heaven that John received and we heard in Revelation chapter 7, of this heavenly worship service of those who've already come out of the great tribulation of this world, those whose robes are white, not in their deeds, but in Jesus' righteousness clothing them, those saints who've come out of the great tribulation and who are now before the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who Himself had his calisthenics, who knelt in the garden of Gethsemane and in his emptiness prayed, Lord, if there's another way, let it be. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And stood on his feet to carry his cross by which he was hung with his arms extended to the world, full of grace, mercy, peace. The Christ who was then laid down in death in a tomb. His calisthenics were complete, but God the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, raised His Son on the third day. And in the resurrection, Jesus, alive and well, comes in all the fullness of the new creation to give you His peace, to bless the saints of old, the saints of today, and the saints who are counting on us to come before them in our time the Lamb who is now our shepherd, wiping every tear from the eye of those who have come out of the great tribulation, the Lamb who is our shepherd who even now wipes our tears. Every means every. John had heard about 144,000 of the tribes of Israel, but when he turned and saw the vision, it was a numberless, countless multitude of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We've heard great things from our Lord. And what He has in store to show us is greater still. We count our blessings on All Saints Sunday and daily. But truly in Jesus, our blessings are numberless. Our resurrection hope is not grasped like an apple in a garden. Our resurrection hope is given through God's Word and His gifts and His family. So blessed are you, Bethesda. If you come today empty, may you be filled with God's mercy. And blessed are you, Bethesda, as you come in fullness of your gifts and their use in this world. May the Holy Spirit strengthen you in your service. And blessed are you, Bethesda, when the world when the world's hurts 
become your own hurts, or when you have been struck down for your faith or dismissed for your trust. Blessed are all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.